guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good this week. How are you? I'm doing well. Nothing too exciting. Another boring week down in the yeah. books, in the books, yeah. on the books. Just another Cooking January books. week, a mid-January week. Nothing exciting happens uh, in the middle of January, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Yeah. It could be way worse. So I don't think we have any announcements this week. Actually, Mandy, it looks like we just got a voicemail on our super secret celebrity line. Do you think we should listen to it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Hey, moms. Josh Mankowitz from Dateline. Listen, I'm trying to get a ticket to your live podcast on Friday, March the 27th uh, at the City Winery in Chicago. So if you can help a reporter out, that would be wonderful. By the way... Good call having it at the winery because uh, from what I can tell, a lot of your listeners, uh, let's just say they know their way around the business end of a winery, uh, if you catch my drift. And if you can't hook me up, well, I'll just have to call back and pretend I'm Keith. Oh, hello. I need a ticket. Or do I? Wow. Okay, Josh. Um, Just check out the show notes, guys. Josh, Keith, whoever's listening, we have all the information about our live show in the show notes. We can't get you any special deals here, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Mandy, sorry about that interruption, guys. Are you ready to get into the episode? Let's do it. (laughs) So something you always hear from parents is that they would do absolutely anything for their kids. But what does that really even mean? For most people, it simply means that you would put your child's well-being and happiness above your own, even if that means you had to suffer so that they would be better off. In this week's episode, we're talking about a South Texas mom who took her role as protector to the next level, and the end result was the death of an innocent teenage boy. The story takes place in Brownsville, Texas, and before we get into what happened in the case, we're going to tell you a little about Brownsville in this week's segment of We Googled This City. Brownsville, Texas is located on the western Gulf Coast in southern Texas and as of the 2017 census has a population of around 183,000 residents. The city motto for Brownsville is on the border by the sea, which really sounds more like directions and less like a motto if you ask me. I feel like maybe one day somebody came up to the mayor and was like, hey, what's the city's motto? And he thought they said like, hey, what's directions to Lotto? And said, on the border by the sea. And the person said, that's the town's motto. And he just doubled down and was like, yeah, actually it is. Got a problem. Because <laughs> it doesn't have a whole lot of personality. It seems like a great town. I think we could do better with the motto. We should come up with some, some more uh, ideas for them. Singer-songwriter Chris Christopherson was born in Brownsville, as well as actress Ella Walker, who was recently starred in Wonder Woman 1984. She also starred in the movie Fast and Furious 9. Cannot believe there were nine movies. Can you believe there's nine of those? I mean, I kind no. of can. <laughs> like Too Fast, Too Furious, <laughs> Fast and Furious, or I don't even know what they did. I feel like Fast and Furious, like as parents, we kind of screwed this up because I feel like that would have been a great like Christmas movie where it's just parents like uh, wrapping gifts the night before <laughs> as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's like a total Fast and Furious moment. Brownsville hosts the annual Sombrero Festival and offers its residents an opportunity to eat delicious Mexican and Tex-Mex food, as well as join in a jalapeno eating contest. No word on whether or not this is sponsored by Tums or if you're just given a business card for the local GI doctor at the end. Lastly, Mandy, as Brownsville is located near the Gulf, the city hosts another event called the Gulf Shrimp Fiesta, which begins right before shrimping season is set to start. 
And if you're a shrimp fan, they have all kinds of shrimp for you to partake in. They've got fried shrimp, broiled shrimp, barbecue shrimp, and participants this year have requested, and it's been rejected for their entries, for meat pie shrimp, a.k.a. the McMandy, jumbo shrimp, <laughs> a.k.a. the McMelissa. <laughs> no word yet on where they stand on shrimp jarmets. <laughs> and that is all I have. <laughs> All right. So as we mentioned, Brownsville is in South Texas, right on the Mexican border. And because of that, this area of the country is heavily influenced by Mexican culture, including mythology and folklore. The people of this region are rather superstitious as a whole, and many believe in brujeria, which is witchcraft, and curanderismo, which is a holistic system of Latin American folk medicine. So this can really be a set of beliefs, rituals, and practices that address the physical, spiritual, psychological, and social needs of the people who practice it. The word originates from the Spanish word that means to heal. A curandero or curandera is a native healer of shaman, and they dedicate their lives to finding remedies to mental, emotional, and spiritual illnesses in others. While the practice of brujeria has more negative connotations, curanderismo is considered a sacred and legitimate practice, and it's something that people of this culture take very seriously and even live their lives by. For those who believe in and participate in this practice, they can develop a lifelong relationship with a specific curandera that they will have regular visits with. A person might visit their curandera for anything from fortune telling and tarot card reading to spells of protection and for help resolving personal problems such as marital issues. As you can imagine, the idea of using magic to cure ailments and solve problems can quickly turn into the idea to use magic for sinister purposes, which is exactly what happened in the case of Dora Cisneros. Dora Cisneros was the daughter of a successful Mexican-American rancher who grew up in South Texas and was raised around this traditional Mexican superstition and folklore. She attended private school and had a pretty normal childhood. In the mid to late 60s, she met and married a well-respected surgeon named David Cisneros, and she quickly fell into her role as a doctor's wife. The couple was well-respected in the community, and they were very active in the social happenings around town as well. By the early 70s, the Cisneros couple had grown their family to include five children, all of whom attended a very prestigious private school in Brownsville. The family was active in the Catholic Church, and Dora was known for being the type of woman who really cared for her family and always chose to put them first. Life was amazing for this family, and they really seemed to have it all until one moment changed the course of their entire lives. In 1974, officers knocked on the door at the Cisneros residence and informed Dora that her oldest son, who was just 18 years old at the time, had been killed in a car accident. Dora's life was flipped upside down over the loss of her son. Those that knew her during this time said that she changed as a person and never really came out of her extreme grief. In a desperate attempt to heal her mind and her spirit, Dora sought the help of a curandera, and before long, she was blessed with another pregnancy, a baby girl that she would name Christina. As Christina and the rest of Dora's children grew, she also grew more and more protective of them, especially Christina, who was the baby of the family. Christina was a really quiet girl who mostly kept to herself and focused on her schoolwork. She had grown up being used to her mother's constant overprotective behavior, and she strived to really make her parents happy and proud and never really got into any trouble. When she was in the 10th grade, something really exciting happened. She started getting attention from a popular boy named Joey Fisher. 
Although Dora and her husband had pretty conservative ideas about dating and they kept really strict rules about it, they did approve of this relationship with Joey. Dora held the mindset that a woman never knows when she's going to meet her future husband and she wanted Christina to date with a purpose and to take this relationship seriously. She also happened to really like Joey Fisher, who she said was, quote, a good catch for her daughter. Keep in mind, these are teenagers. And so, you know, yeah, every mom wants to see their daughter or son, you know, find somebody that they approve of. Of course, that's what every parent wants, you know. So she was really thinking, this guy is great and he's great for my daughter and was just over the moon that a boy like Joey was giving her daughter attention. That can be really a lot of pressure, though. Yeah, that's so much pressure. But Dora had really good reasons for liking Joey and for approving of their relationship. As I said, he was really everything that she wanted for her daughter. He was an honor student, and he was the type of kid who didn't even have to really open a book to study, and he just got amazing grades in school. By the time he was a senior in high school, he actually had a 98.5 grade point average, and he was ranked 11th in his class. He had high aspirations of becoming an engineer, and he was excited to head off to college at the University of Texas at Austin. Not only was Joey smart, he was also a handsome young man, and Dora liked that he came from a family that had what she considered to be great values. In other words, she viewed this boy as marriage material and wanted nothing more than to see her young daughter end up with Joey for the long haul. The budding young couple enjoyed hanging out and doing outdoor activities together. They liked going to the movies, and Christina would often just go to Joey's house to hang out and play video games with him. She really was over the moon to have the attention of Joey, and she genuinely enjoyed their time together. After a few weeks of dating, Christina began to consider the idea of becoming intimate with Joey, but of course, she knew that this was something her parents would absolutely never approve of, so she hatched a plan to make it possible for her and Joey to be alone together. Over spring break in 1992, without the knowledge of her parents, Christina and Joey headed to South Padre Island, Texas, where Christina's family owned a condo. The couple spent some time together there and eventually slept together, which only made Christina's feelings for Joey even stronger and, of course, a lot more complicated. A few weeks later, Joey asked Christina to be his date to the senior prom. Dora was ecstatic that her daughter had been invited to the prom. Prom is a huge social event in this community, and since Christina was just a sophomore, Dora was proud and really overjoyed that she had been asked to go with a boy as wonderful as Joey. A short time after prom, Joey did what's customary in South Texas, and he gave Christina his class ring. Did you have a class ring, Mandy? Um, I didn't. I really wanted one, and I'm pretty sure my parents were just like, no, we're not paying for that because you're not going to care about it in 10 years. And they would be absolutely right um, (laughs) for saying that to me. But I think that's exactly what they said. They're like, yeah, that's like not a thing that you're going to care about. And yeah, I I don't care about it now. So I guess they were right. (laughs) Right. Same thing. And I was like, fine, I'm just going to save up for it. And then I realized they were expensive. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This isn't, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So for high school couples, this is really an official symbol of the relationship status. And a lot of times this is like the way you're showing that you're boyfriend and girlfriend. And it seemed as though things were really getting pretty serious and that this relationship was on the track that Dora was hoping for. But all of that changed in May of 1992 when Joey attended a wedding for a family member in Austin. Christina couldn't attend the wedding with Joey, so he was flying solo, which made it easy for him to chat up a 17-year-old girl named Courtney who was attending the wedding as a guest of the brides. Joey was attracted to this girl and pretty much decided right then and there that he no longer wished to be tied down to one girlfriend. He took Courtney's number that night. 
A few days later, Joey blew off plans to meet Christina for a date. Christina was clearly very upset about this, and this is someone who she believed was her boyfriend, and she had no idea why he would just stand her up. It wasn't until a few days later that he finally called Christina. At first, she was really happy to hear from him and expected him to apologize and explain why he didn't make their date, but instead, Joey broke the news to her that he didn't feel like they should continue their relationship, and he asked that Christina please return his class ring. Christina was heartbroken and distraught, and she refused to give the ring back out of spite. But this ring was something that was really important to Joey. He had worked hard as an honor student to earn the ring, and it really meant something to him. Upon learning about the breakup, Dora became very upset and refused to accept that Joey did not want to be with her daughter. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. Dora had a plan that she believed would solve the problem and keep the teens together. And we're going to get into the details of her plan after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. of people say they want to use natural products, but only 2% do. Why is that? Because what they sell at the store is from the biggest companies, not necessarily the ones that are best for you. So where do you start? Introducing Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative is the online marketplace that delivers all natural home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Plus, they take the guesswork out of going green. Every Grove.co product is guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. So you can save time reading confusing labels, plus their stuff actually works. I've used Grove.co for a while now, and I really love the ease of their website as well as the quality of the products I'm getting. I have a few things I just ordered that I'm looking forward to, including their hand soaps and sunscreens that I use on myself and kids all year long. What I really love about Grove is that I don't have to spend my day traveling to multiple stores or searching endlessly online to get the all-natural goods I need for myself and my family. It's all in one place. They have products for personal care, household, your kids, and even your pets. Whatever you need, Grove.co has you covered. Join over half a million families who trust Grove Collaborative to make their homes both happier and healthier. Plus, with Grove.co, shipping is fast and free on your first order. For a limited time, when our listeners go to Grove.co slash MM, you will get a free five-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer and Grove, a $30 value. Go to Grove.co slash MM to get this exclusive cleaning offer. Grove.co slash MM. Are you guys familiar with Honey? If you aren't, we are about to rock your world and save you a ton of money. Honey is the free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your online shopping cart. Gone are the days of searching for a coupon for pizza and putting in code after code only to be rejected because the code is expired or not valid in your area or whatever million other reasons it could possibly be. Searching for coupons can feel like a full-time job, but luckily Honey does the searching for you, so you know you're going to be getting the best price without going crazy looking for it. After the holidays, my daughter had some Christmas money she wanted to use to buy a few skirts. I brought her online, as a good mother who hates leaving the house will do, and we found a few skirts that she really wanted. We put them in the cart, and Honey immediately went to work and found a code to apply to the cart, saving her $15 and allowing her to add another additional item to her order. Score! We're all trying to save money, and what's better than not having to search for coupons to do it? Honey has already found its over 18 million members over $2 billion in savings. Why not add your savings to the list? Using Honey feels pretty great. Think of it as a little daily victory. Plus, it's free to use and installs in just a few seconds. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com moms. That's joinhoney.com moms. 
And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking about how Joey Fisher had just broken up with Christina Cisneros after realizing that he wanted to spend his summer unattached and really just free to have a good time. Christina was heartbroken, and her mom, Dora, felt the need to help the situation in some way, as mothers do. But of course, her preference was that Joey would just continue to date her daughter. So she did something a little, well, maybe a lot out of the ordinary, and she contacted Joey and demanded an explanation. So imagine being Joey, and now, like, it's already, that stage of your life is already hard enough when you're dealing with, like, you know, trying to figure out dating and relationships and you're both young, you're still teenagers. And now you have enough to deal with, with just trying to break up with this girl. And now her mom is calling you and saying, you know, begging and pleading with you. It's just a really awkward situation. And I imagine like how uncomfortable that has to be for a a teenager Teenager, to have to deal with something like that. Oh yeah. Like it's enough to deal with the girl that you're breaking up with. Like you don't need to deal with her mom and her parents, you know, on top of it. Right. But Dora wasn't just interested in pleading with Joey to take Christina back. She was actually offering him money to do so to the tune of $500 a month to be exact. So this offer was obviously shocking to Joey and he found it completely ridiculous and told Dora that there was absolutely no way she was going to pay him to date her daughter. Meanwhile, Christina and Joey were still going back and forth with each other about the class ring. Joey really wanted to get that back, and he begged Christina to return it. When she refused, Joey, you know, got his parents involved. He didn't really know what else to do. His stepdad suggested that he remain calm, but to let Dora and Christina know that if they did not return the ring, he would pursue legal action. This is, of course, a piece of jewelry, so, you know, that's like a good point. Like, they can't just say they're not giving it back. You know, if he asked for it back, they have to give it back. So his parents were encouraging him to... Just let them know, you know, like if they want to do this, then they would pursue legal action to get the ring back. So Joey wrote a letter to them explaining just that. But Dora still saw the ring as a bargaining chip of sorts. And she arranged a meeting with Joey's father at a local Burger King where she tried to convince him to talk Joey into dating Christina. Here's the thing. If he already wanted to break up with her and now the mom is like a level 11 and right like there is no what? motivation to get yeah, back yeah, together yeah, yeah. at all exactly <laughs> so joey's father thought that dora requesting a meeting was really really strange in the first place but he grew even more impatient with dora when she continued to insist that he help her get his son back into christina's life he firmly told her that joey would like his class ring back but again dora refused and said that they would return the ring in good time after they made joey quote sweat a little So a few days later, Christina finally gave back the ring, and it seemed like the situation was on the road to improving and being put behind them all. By the end of that summer, the one-time romance was really just a memory for Joey, who had moved on to other relationships. However, Christina was taking a little longer to move on from the breakup, and Dora was becoming more and more distressed over the situation. She wanted to make her daughter feel better, and she still even held on to hope that Joey would come back into her life once again. Dora once again sought the help of her herendera, Maria Martinez. She wanted Maria to give her a tarot reading specifically as it pertained to whether or not Joey was ever going to get back together with Christina. But Dora didn't get the answer she was hoping for. Maria told her that according to the cards, Joey had no plans to rekindle a relationship with Christina. 
Jorah was extremely irritated with this news and asked Maria to cast spells to bring these two young lovebirds back together. Months passed, and by the spring of 1993, it seemed that things were finally getting back to normal. Christina was dating a new boy and had put Joey far behind her. Joey was also dating someone else at this time, and he was completely focused on his upcoming graduation and admission to the University of Texas at Austin. And then, in the blink of an eye, everything changed. On the morning of March 3, 1993, just before 7 a.m., Joey stepped outside of his home in the affluent community of Rancho Viejo. He was about to head to school for the day, but decided to hose off his car in the driveway before taking off. As Joey was fiddling with the hose, a mysterious person appeared out of nowhere and fired two shots at the 18-year-old, hitting him in the head and the chest and fatally wounding him. Joey's mother heard the gunfire and ran outside to find her son dead on the driveway, but the shooter was nowhere to be seen. Police arrived to a puzzling crime scene. It wasn't unusual to be called for drive-by shootings in some of the local neighborhoods, but Rancho Viejo was a very low-crime community, and there was no obvious motive for why anyone would want to murder an 18-year-old high school student. On the scene, there was little evidence left behind. There were two 38 caliber shell casings, a shoe print on the outdoor air conditioning unit, and a yellow business card for a local bail bondsman. The card actually had a handwritten phone number on it, and it was very close to the body. The only other clue police had to work with was that a witness told them they had seen a white four-door car with Mexico license plates near the scene of the crime and that the driver was a Hispanic man, possibly in his early to mid-20s, with a short beard. Investigators followed the only real lead they had and contacted the bail bonds company to find out if they had bailed anyone out in the Brownsville area in the recent past, like in the last couple of weeks or a few days. They said that they hadn't bailed anyone out in the area and they had no idea why or how their card was left at a crime scene. So investigators continued to question everyone close to Joey, including Christina and Dora Cisneros. Christina was visibly upset and really shocked by Joey's murder. She told police that she had been to the doctor's office the morning of the murder, and then her mom dropped her off at school. After speaking with Christina and Dora, Christina was eventually ruled out as a suspect. Three days later, and without any other solid leads, the police got a phone call that changed the course of this investigation. It was actually the bail bond company calling back to let them know that they had spotted something interesting on an application they received, and it was that the handwriting on this application seemed to be an exact match to the handwriting that was found on the business card at the crime scene. The application was filled out by a man named Rudy Cuellar, a Texas resident who made frequent trips back and forth from Mexico and ran a drug smuggling and auto theft operation from Mexico as far north as Chicago. Once again, police were puzzled at the thought that an 18-year-old from a well-to-do family could have possibly been involved in what appeared to be some kind of gang-related shooting. Investigators tracked down Rudy, but to their surprise, he had an alibi and an explanation as to why a business card with his handwriting on it was found at the scene of a murder. He had given the card to a friend after writing a phone number on it. The man he said he gave the card to was named Daniel Garza, another small-time criminal in the Brownsville area. That's pretty amazing that he would even remember doing that because I do things all the time and I don't remember. And something that important to be like, oh, I have nothing to do with this, but I gave somebody this specific piece of paper, you know? Like, oh, yeah, I had that in my card. I put well, some I mean, number on it. I mean, 
<laughs> this sounds terrible. Like how many people are you giving bail bonds cards to? But if you just have a bunch of cards, do you ever pull stuff out of your thing and you're just like, you know, I write on the back of everything. So I wouldn't think, I mean, granted, I don't have any bail bondsman yeah. cards in there, but I can see how like <laughs> in the moment, if you needed to remember something, that would be terrifying to be like, who did I give yeah. this thing to? But you're probably yeah. right. <laughs> So at this point in the story, you might be getting a little confused with all these different names flying around and wondering how any of these people are connected to each other and what it has to do with Joey Fisher's murder. But we're going to bring it all full circle right after one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. We all want clean and clear skin, but sometimes those products that help our skin stay young, healthy, and fresh aren't really affordable. Luckily, there's BioClarity. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that really work. BioClarity offers two routines. One is the clear skin routine, which is great for skin that's oily or breakout prone, as well as the essentials routine, which is great for normal skin and everyday use. Both include an easy three-step regimen that helps improve both the look and the feel of your skin. I've been using the essentials routine and it's really improved how my face looks and feels. I look less death becomes her even when I still feel it. I'm a big fan of using more natural products in and on my body. So I love that BioClarity uses clean plant-based ingredients in their products. Plus my skin feels more soft and glowy, which is really saying something since I am still a tired mom. I really love that both routines also include a super special ingredient that is only found in BioClarity, and that ingredient is Floralux, which is made from chlorophyll from plants. This key ingredient helps with redness and hyperpigmentation and also evens out both your skin's tone and texture. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to BioClarity.com. I'm really loving all of it, but especially the Skin Smoothie Hydrate product, which leaves my skin feeling silky smooth. And even better, these products are actually affordable. And right now, for our listeners, you can save 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter our code MURDER at checkout. So go to BioClarity.com and get 15% off everything on their website when you use our code MURDER at checkout. I don't know about you, but I feel like some weeks I just cook the same things over and over and over again. I get stuck in a total meal rut and I don't really know how to get out of it. But luckily, HelloFresh has come to my aid with their 22 plus seasonal chef curated recipes each week. So we are trying new fresh meals. Plus HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. There's truly something for everyone, including low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes every week. This month, I tried the low-calorie option and was pleasantly surprised at how much food there actually is to eat while still remaining low-calorie. I hesitantly tried the Mediterranean baked veggies with couscous, almonds, and feta. I was hesitant because there's no meat in this meal, so I wasn't sure how I would possibly be full, but I ate it until I was stuffed and I still had some to put away for lunch the next day. I had no intention of even liking this meal since I truly hate anything that's remotely good for me, but it's actually become one of my favorites that I've ever had with HelloFresh. Plus, HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and prepping so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options. There's no greater joy than making a meal that you and your whole family will love and not killing yourself to do so in the process. If you'd like to give HelloFresh a try, there's never been a better time. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MomsAndMurder10 and use code MomsAndMurder10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomsAndMurder10 and use code MomsAndMurder10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. 
And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were discussing how investigators working on the murder of Joey Fisher had just been given a tip that a small-time criminal named Daniel Garza was potentially involved in the shooting. Daniel was a house painter by trade, but at this time, he was actually unemployed and getting his money from more unsavory sources. It didn't take long for police to find Daniel and to bring him in for questions, and it didn't take him long to start talking either. Almost immediately, he admitted to police that he had hired two Mexican drug runners to kill Joey. But still, this explanation made very little sense to investigators. There was still one major question. Why? But the more Daniel talked, the more it became clear that Daniel was also just a pawn in this tragic scheme. As it turned out, Daniel had been going through some hard times in his marriage, and he was desperate to sort them out and fix his relationship with his wife. He believed that supernatural forces were at play in his marriage, so as it is customary in Mexican tradition, Daniel sought the help of a curandera to cast out the evil and restore his relationship. And if you guessed that his curandera was Maria Martinez, you would be correct. So Daniel's talking to the police and he's telling the story about how he was desperate for help and he was willing to do anything to get it and that Maria Martinez promised to help him with his wife if he would just do one favor for her as well. Find a hitman for one of her clients. And that's exactly what Daniel did. Acting as a middleman, he hired two men named Israel Olivares and Heriberto Pizana. These two men also worked for Rudy Queller as hitmen and car thieves. The three men first met to discuss the murder on February 14, 1993, and Oliveras and Pizana agreed to commit the murder the next time they were in the area. Daniel Garza provided them with the directions to Joey Fisher's home, as well as a photo of him, and from there, a murder-for-hire plot was officially in motion. Armed with this new information, police devised a plan to take down the three new suspects, who were Maria Martinez, Israel Oliveras, and Heriberto Pizana. Daniel was cooperative with the investigation and agreed to set up a meeting with Maria in which he would tell her that the hitmen required more money. So each time Maria gave him the money, which only confirmed to the police that Daniel's story was true and that Maria did have some role in this murder or at least knowledge of it. On April 5th, police raided Maria's shop, but she was not there. She was later arrested at her home, but she was really obstinate and just refused to speak to the investigators at all. That was until they came up with a ruse. They showed Maria a photo of Joey Fisher and said that they got it from her client, Daniel Garza. So this wasn't actually true. This was the police going out on a limb and just hoping that this would trigger something in in Maria and get her scared enough to give them more information. So that actually worked. She felt backed into a corner and she admitted that she had given the photo of Joey to Daniel. And from there, she became a fountain of information. She immediately implicated Dora Cisneros in the murder by telling police how Dora had come to her for help in getting Joey Fisher back together with her daughter. As it turned out, Dora hadn't just stopped at asking Maria to cast a spell on Joey. She continued to meet with Maria for months after the teen couple had split up, each time asking Maria for something different. At first, Dora asked if Maria knew of anyone or could find anyone to beat Joey up. But by October of 1992, she was asking for something much, much worse. She wanted the boy to be killed. She told Maria that she would pay up to $3,500 in U.S. money for the job to be done. It was at this point that Maria evidently agreed to help find someone to pull off the hit, and that's when she involved her other client, Daniel Garza. 
By January of 1993, a few months before the killing, Daniel and his wife had already divorced and he was absolutely distraught over it. So Maria essentially took advantage of Daniel's situation and his desperation for help with his wife and told him that she would fix everything if he helped her find a hitman for Dora. All that was left to do at this point was to find Dora and bring her in. But first, they would need more solid proof that Dora was, in fact, the mastermind behind this murder. Maria agreed to set up a meeting with Dora while wearing a wire and being under the close surveillance of nearby officers. When Dora showed up for the meeting, she picked Maria up at her shop and almost instantly she started asking questions about the murder, asking if anyone possibly knew anything. She then handed Maria an envelope with $500 in it as partial payment for the hit. The police have to be so excited at this point. They are like, wow, this. Yeah. <laughs> there's no prodding. She's like, oh, I've got the cash that you needed and what does everyone know? How many other things could I say? Would you like my name and my date of birth? Would that help <laughs> You know, this entire investigation? Right. <laughs> so at this point, they have everything they need and they move in and take Dora into custody. She was arrested and booked on capital murder charges to the absolute disbelief of her family and friends as well as really everyone in the community. As we mentioned in the beginning of the story, the Cisneros family was pretty well known and respected around town, and no one wanted to believe that this doting mother of five and the wife of a prominent doctor could be capable of doing something so horrific. Dora Cisneros and Daniel Garza went on trial for Joey's murder in February of 1994, 11 months after the murder. Although much of the evidence in this case was circumstantial, it was clear to the jury that Dora had definitely been the one to set this in motion and that her apparent motive for the murder was her anger and distress over her teenage daughter's relationship status. Each of them was convicted of murder and sentenced to serve life in prison. But that wasn't the end of the story for Dora. After spending two years behind bars, Dora came up for an appeal and to the shock of many, the Texas Court of Appeals actually overturned her conviction. She won her appeal because of a rookie mistake by prosecutors who drafted the original indictment. So legal stuff gets a little confusing to us lay people, as in me and Melissa. <laughs> but basically what happened was that the jury had been instructed to consider the charges incorrectly. The way the instructions were written, the jury wasn't able to actually convict Dora unless they also found that Oliveras and Pisana had murdered Joey under Dora's instruction. And since there was no evidence presented in the trial that Dora actually employed these men, it was ruled that her conviction was invalid. Whoa. It all came down to the wording, yes, on the jury instructions. And so if they would have just included the words, Dora Cisneros acting as a party, then her conviction would have stood. In January of 1996, Dora walked free and resumed her life as a wife and mother. The people of Brownsville were extremely up in arms over this news, especially the family of Joey Fisher, who just simply could not believe that Dora's conviction was overturned on such a small technicality. To make matters worse, the Texas Court of Appeals also ruled that double jeopardy was in play in this case and Dora could not be retried for this murder. Wow. Without Dora, there's nothing. I mean, you know, how how would these other convictions even stand. You know what I mean? She's right. the one that's put this whole thing into motion. That's an, that's just so crazy. Prosecutors in this case refused to accept this outcome, and they decided to contact the FBI to find out if this case was able to be tried under federal law. It was determined that a federal trial was appropriate in this case, and so Dora was once again arrested in 1998 and put back in front of a new jury. The case was laid out much the same way that it was the first time, only this time they made sure they had all their I's dotted and their T's crossed. 
After a week of testimony, Dora was convicted of using a telephone to arrange Joey's murder, and she was again sentenced to life in a federal prison here in Florida, where she remains today. What a wild story. There's just so much going on with it. Just, I can't imagine, like, everyone's been in high school, everyone's experienced puppy love, not saying that it's not, like, an amazing thing and all that, but, like, as an adult, you know, like, it'll happen again for my daughter. Like, this isn't the end of the world. They're in high school. You know what I mean? Like, to become so obsessed and fixated right. on this one person, there are really a lot of fish in the sea. There truly are. And as an adult, you know that. As a teenager, you might not. But for the mom to be the one to set this in motion is just so crazy to me. Yeah, absolutely. And really, this they were only together dating for just a few months, maybe three months. So it's not like – and I understand that when you are in high school, like, that seems like a really long time to be like a boyfriend and girlfriend. Like that's like a milestone time, like three months together. Right, right, right. Woohoo. And it really does feel like a serious relationship to you like at that stage when you're that age. But it's like in in the big picture and like Dora should have known, you know, should have been able to see that like, okay, it was a very short like fling and, you know, it ended and now it's about to be summer and everyone everyone's going to be fine by the time school starts again. And, you know, it's just very strange that she – took this like approach or that this bothered her on that level um, right. to the point of doing something like this. And something else that I thought was really shocking and really interesting to me about this is that Dora had lost her son when he was 18 in a car accident and knows what that was like. You know, she yeah. knows that pain that a mother feels when they lose a child. And so for her to, you know, have had that experience, it makes it even more mind-blowing to me that she would put another family through that, yeah. like knowing what that's like and how how that feels. And yeah, there was just, just there's really no telling what was actually going through her mind at this time. I mean, but she planned this for months and months and months, you know, before it actually took place. So it's just really shocking. For sure. Okay, Melissa, are you ready to turn the page and move on to last thing before we go? I just want to know what you would say if I said no. <laughs> Do we just say? I mean, I would just say, okay, guys, <laughs> I guess we're not doing that then. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll have to do that sometime. Okay. Yes, Mandy. Enthusiastically, I am. Let's do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we have a couple We have a couple of good ones. So the first one comes from Paula D. Heavy hitter and Paula she D. she stole this off of Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> she stole this off Reddit and it's so sweet of her to credit Reddit. I know she just did that just for me. Thank you, Paula. The question is, you can make everyone in the world follow one rule that you make. What is the rule that you're going to make? Okay. My rule is that you cannot make someone else late. This is not a dig at Mandy. Mandy has never made me late for anything. So don't put that in your head, people. This is a dig at my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And every other man in my entire life, my father included. I am, you know, I'm very paranoid about time, very paranoid about time. Thinking about Chicago, I'm already thinking the day that we're there on Friday for the show, I don't plan to leave my hotel room because I don't want to somehow end up in a part of the city I don't know and then I'm late and I miss it. I literally think that could happen. I get to places 30, 45 minutes early because that makes me feel better. So I think the rule should be you can't make somebody late. I once, did I ever tell you about this job interview I went to and I showed up 55 minutes early 
And um, I didn't want to be murdered in my car. So I just went up and I was like, oh, I'm here for the interview. And they said, actually, you're five minutes late. And they told me to leave. And I left and I'm like crying. And um, then they call me. They're like, oh, we didn't think you were 55 minutes early. We thought you were the girl that was five minutes late. So they asked me to come back. (laughs) So it's like in my soul, like I cannot be late for things. And so when people make me late, I don't get... Well, I do if they're close to me. I get mad at them. I wouldn't get mad at you, but I get mad at other people. But I think that's like the worst thing. Like I plan how much time I need. Do not screw with my time. Like I I will take an extra hour. I know that about myself. Just love me enough to let me do that. Insane. <laughs> Mine was a monologue. <laughs> I can see that. I'm surprised. I thought I expected you to have something about um, like everybody being required to wear foot coverings of some kind. Frick. I really dropped the ball with this one. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I had a hard time with this one because uh, you know me, Melissa, you know, I don't like rules at all. So I don't, and I definitely don't like making rules for other people to have to follow. And I know that please, you would love that. So um, I don't really know of any like amazing ones, but the one thing that came to my mind will not surprise anyone, but I think that there should be, (laughs) you're going to hate this so much. I think that every household should have to have a minimum amount of adopted animals living under the roof. Like you should have to have pets. You should have to. You should just have to. I know that's not a very practical idea because (laughs) everyone doesn't like animals and some people are allergic to them and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe there would be exemptions for um, things. Well, no, no. This is a rule, Mandy. It's across the board. That's if we're playing hypothetical games, this is, this goes as far as you can take it. Go ahead. Fine. Whether, fine. Whether you're allergic or not, you have to have animals and we'll just, you'll just have to get like a lifetime supply of Allegra or something. Wow. Mandy, going in on the people with allergies, uh, please somebody make a note of that. Make a timestamp here. Please tweet that out wildly. (laughs) Include that in your email this week, please, everyone. Um, I don't think having a pet is a bad thing. I think it's great for families. I totally agree with you. I think my life is – my kids are so chaotic right now. It's just not a great time. And you know that's about me. I would love to have an animal in our house. I don't like being late and an animal would end up making me late. And therefore I go back to my rule and my rule vetoes your rule (laughs) and that's it. (laughs) Listen, I said it wasn't a very practical idea. This is just like in my dream world that all the animals would have homes because everybody would be forced to own them. What if everyone had them and then you didn't have it? They ran out of pets because everyone had one. And so you couldn't adopt adopt 47 pets on the side of the road one day. (laughs) I feel like this could backfire on you, Mandy. And I cannot believe your rule doesn't have to do with traffic because you hate driving things. I can't believe yours isn't like... I do. You have to merge at a certain time or like give you all the money in their wallet or something like that. I was really... I was really thinking that's where you're going with this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I will design my own driving course. And then the rule will be that everyone has to take Mandy's driving course. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we can all drive at Mandy's way. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that would look like. I would love to imagine what that would look like. I'm going to timestamp this for myself so I can just think about it a little bit more. 
Wonderful, Mandy. These were, I hope this is what you wanted, Paula, because this is what you got. Okay. And the other question, Mandy, <laughs> this is from our friend Mare in our Facebook group. She's been in the, our group forever. Hi, Mare. Um, if you were being petty and in a fight with someone, what annoying gift would you give their child that would annoy the parent you're mad at? And then I'm going to pay attention to see oh my if gosh, you've given I this love to this. my child. <laughs> I love this. Okay. So, um, Anything with glitter, like any kind of arts and crafts thing that has glitter or beads. Um, I, I See, you have a girl, and I know that, like, that's a thing that girls like, like those little sets Love. with beads, and you can string them onto things, whatever. I don't know how that works out in your house. Probably great because your daughter is wonderful and responsible and organized. But I feel like uh, if my children were to have something like that, there would just be beads everywhere. I would be finding beads from now until I was like 95 years old on my deathbed. So I hate anything that has like a ton of pieces. So that's something I would give (laughs) any toy that makes noise that has no volume control. Um, I'm just trying to think of like other, there's so many things that, that are like for kids that are super, super, super annoying for adults, but those are the main things I can think of things with lots of small pieces, anything with glitter. Oh, anything that is going to require my help to play with or put together or do if it says two um, players or more no thank you (laughs) exactly please don't give my child something that's like a fun cool thing to build (sighs) that they can't actually build because they're like not able to so then I get stuck spending three hours building this thing that I didn't want to build and I didn't ask for uh so anything like that (laughs) totally agree with you on all that glitter slime um i thought my mother-in-law liked me i was pretty sure of it for quite some time and then at christmas she got my daughter and my sister-in-law like a glue glitter slime kit and i was like okay you guys hate me i had no idea and it's just never been more obvious (laughs) than this moment because i'm like what on earth if you want to keep this at your house fine enjoy it there but please don't bring it to my house my mother-in-law is actually pretty good but my sister-in-law she doesn't listen to this, so I can say this. You really screwed up this time. And wait till your daughter gets older. <laughs> um, I agree with you on noisy stuff too, but I want noisy stuff. I want to create something that's noisy that you cannot take batteries out of. And it's like powered by light in your house or oxygen or something like that. So, and it just goes off in the middle of the night. It's like on a clock in like, uh, you know, in Britain or something. And so like it only stays awake at night and then that just goes off. <laughs> when you're asleep I got my sister my nephew something that I was like oh this is cool he'll like it and I got my son the same thing this like big um car track thing for Christmas and I was like oh this is kind of cool they'll both like it well we've set it up at our house and I was like this is so freaking big I hate this and I went to my sister's and it was set up and I was like listen you can take that apart I am so sorry I did not know I was doing this to you it takes up like half the room like I'm really sorry So I'd also add like huge things that just anything with parts, you're right, beads, glitter. These are all new no-nos. If you listen to Comedy Bang Bang, that's like a big thing. New no-nos. I put all of those on the list. We both sign off on those. Yeah, yes, definitely. Or the other thing I can think of, I've said on the show before, like I'm not the kind of mom that likes to sit down and play with toys or like right. do things like that. Like I'm more about experiences and we take our kids to go, you know, fun places, theme parks, the beach. Like I like to spend time with them that way instead of playing. And that's because I'm really just not terribly like creative or imaginative and I just don't really enjoy it. That's not the kind of mom I am. I do like to play board Me games too. and stuff, but I don't like when people give us like stupid, ridiculous games, like the one where you have to get pied in the face or where you have to wear that ridiculous thing in your mouth mouth Mm -hmm. and try talking. Yeah, like 
I mean, I guess those games are fun for kids, but like they. I won't play that yeah, game. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to reveal all of my teeth and like. Same. <laughs> that's like my biggest nightmare. Like, I do not want my mouth. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too. Because I've got like a cavity that's filled with silver and they do them clear now. And I don't need people seeing that that's still a thing. <laughs> I might delete this entire thing. I don't want people to look too closely at my mouth because I'm very self conscious. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's the same thing. Whenever I see that game, I'm like, dear God, I cannot go anywhere where that game is being played. I will not play it. I just won't do it. Yeah. My kids I got like, it for I Christmas like... and they oh, they no. ask me every day if I will play it with them. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's yeah, I know. My my parenting, I'm like, I'm I can get along and do things like this and then that. And I'd be like, absolutely not. You, there will not be any proof that that's and everyone has to put it in their mouth. I don't care if you bleach it. I don't want it to be in everyone's mouth. That's so gross slobbery yeah we have the toilet one that sprays water in your face i'm okay with that one it's gross and but it's fine it just hits you in the face but you have to be in the mood to do that i don't want to do that if like we have people over and i have makeup on are you kidding me yeah it takes so long for my face to look like presentable <laughs> i can't screw this up yeah so yeah it turns out oh we gosh. have a lot of things that we a lot of kid things that we dislike <laughs> I think we dislike a lot of things. That's what I'm learning about us right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would have been shorter if we just said name something we like. Yeah. This whole segment would have been shorter. <laughs> okay. Before we go, guys, we uh, remember we are going to be at CrimeCon. Remember or, hey, this is our announcement. CrimeCon, May 1st through 3rd in Orlando. To get 10% off your standard badge, go to MNM2020. <laughs> Actually, go to CrimeCon.com and then type in MNM2020. It's so hot in the room I'm in right now. Um, and then we're also going to play the promo from Tyler with Minds of Madness and Justin with Generation Y for their new show that they have done together called Deadly Misadventures. They say it better than that, but that's my, like, that's my, like, cool voice yeah. for a cool show. I, I'm just, I'm sure they will really appreciate your cool voice <laughs> for their yes. cool show. Uh, thank all right, you. Yeah, so check that out, guys. And for no reason whatsoever, thank you, Josh Mankiewicz. Just no reason. Yes. Just in general, <laughs> just for existing. Nothing that he did as a favor to us. Absolutely. All right, guys. <laughs> we will be back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Bye. Bye. Wondery Plus presents its newest podcast, Deadly Misadventures. Hosted by Justin from Generation Y and Tyler from the Minds of Madness. We'll bring you some of the most terrifying real-life stories of those who came face-to-face -face with death. Some who lived to tell the tale. While others succumbed to their deadly misadventures. I'm gonna do Doing bad things to you. You know the odds. The stakes are high. Care to take your chance with Lady Luck? To hear all Deadly Misadventure episodes exclusively ad-free, just visit wondery.fm slash deadly to start listening now. Doing bad things to you. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much. <laughs>